One of the great things about this pandemic is that people are getting outside and back to nature. How awesome is that? We're finally turning off our screens after sitting in front of their screens all day long. We're getting outside and people are going back in the woods or they're going fishing and they're going canoeing. They're enjoying this beautiful country, the parks, the forests that are around us, which is fabulous. But here's the thing. If you're not prepared properly, if you don't understand the environment where you're going, it can be disastrous. If you don't wear the right socks, your hike can be ruined. If you don't look at the sky and plan your trip and watch the weather, if you don't bring enough water, the simplest things, but people don't think about. And what happens when you run into those cute little furry animals on the trail? If you feed them, it's a problem. If you run away, that's also a problem. So what do you need to know to be able to go fishing, hiking, kayaking, paddleboarding, all those great things and stay safe and not cut your day short? That's what we're gonna talk about today. I've got an expert from the National Forest Service that's gonna answer all the questions. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget, rate and review us and share it because more people can listen and learn. Facebook. Happy Thursday. Let me get you all set here. I hope you're having a great week and you're getting ready for a wonderful weekend. Um, I am Sarah Heiner and I'm welcoming you back to Bottom Line Advocator. And we have a whole different treat today. I decided it was time to take a little bit of a break. You know, we've been talking so much about COVID and so much about the strains and the immune system. And we're just finishing up our great immunity lifeline program, which has been fabulous. And don't worry, we're going to give you another chance to, to um, participate in that in the future. So watch watch the, um, the Facebook to be able to, the, the Facebook, watch the feed and posts to be able to see when that's available. Um, anyway, but in all those old videos, don't forget, you can see them either in Facebook or in our YouTube channel, um, Bottom Line Inc. on the YouTube channel. So go ahead and sign up for that so that you can see them, share them. We've got great information, always talking to the top experts in whatever field. So again, I've been talking to a lot of doctors, but you know what, right now I decided there is so much beautiful return to nature going on. That's the one great thing that's happened through the pandemic is that people are getting a little bit back to simpler times. We're doing a lot of cooking. We're seeing a lot of people outside. And in particular, people are getting back to nature, hiking, canoeing, kayaking, fishing, and it's so great. But you got to be safe. And just people think that just because you could walk, that you can hike. And there are things that you need to know to be sure that you're safe in nature. One thing I learned many, many years ago is the power of nature. You don't realize it until you are caught in a major storm. Either out, of, I, We were out on the water and there were major storms and you got to respect nature. It's a really powerful thing. So I've got with me today, I'm going to bring him on. I've got David Boyd from the National Forest Service. Um, he's the public affairs officer from the White River National Forest in Colorado. He's a former park ranger with the National Forest Service, and he was a biologist in Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, and Florida. So he has been all across the country, understanding nature, understanding the woods, the water, the animals, all of it. Um, and you can learn more after this. We're gonna talk about a number of different um, websites that you can go to and apps, but also just in general, if you want to know more about the National Forest Service, which is such a great resource, it's fs.fed.us. Um, so welcome, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Yeah, good afternoon. Nice to be here. Well, welcome east. As Hopefully I've got thunderstorms going on. So hopefully, <laughs> speaking of the power of nature. Um, let me remind everybody, by the way, if you have any questions, put them into the Facebook chat. Um, I've got my very high-tech Fred Flintstone behind me, 
who's um, sending me texts on my phone. So if I'm looking down, that's what I'm doing. He's letting me know any of your questions. So if you've got questions about activities you've got planned, problems you've run into, whatever it is, as you're planning your adventures, um, we can't do your vacation planning for you. But if you've got other questions, then um, let, let me know about that, okay? So post them up and then uh, Michael will pass them along to me. Um, okay, so let's get to it, all right? Um, I think the big picture, again, I was just talking about the storms, respecting nature. I think people don't really realize when they go out in nature, whatever it is, that one of the most dangerous things is storms and the weather can come rolling in, especially out west where it can, you know, the weather can change so very quickly. Um, so what are things that people need to be aware of, watch out for, prepare for when they're going out? Sure. You know, and on, on just about any of the topics we'll, we'll talk about today, um, I'll say no before you go. So that means do a little research, um, you know, before you head out. Um, and that's really true with weather. So check out the weather forecasts, um, know what to expect, know what kind of to expect that time of year in, in wherever you are. So out here in, in Western Colorado, as you mentioned this time of year, afternoon thunderstorms are, are really common. So you have, um, you have the temperatures cooling down pretty good. So if you just went hiking in a, a t-shirt and shorts, you might find yourself getting pretty chilly. Um, we have lightning associated with those and, and the potential for flash floods. So um, you wanna be aware of what the forecast is and um, you know avoiding high peaks in the afternoon and things like that. Well, and I think also people need to realize that just because the weather, as you said, check the weather service, but it changes very quickly and they think they can outrun a storm. And in fact, a few weeks ago, we did exactly that. I was as dumb as anything. We went out on a hike. We knew that storms were supposed to come in. We got to the top of the mountain and then the skies opened up around us. Um, so what happens if lightning comes or if storms come and there you are on the top of the mountain? What do people do? Because they are stranded. Yeah, so, the, you know, the first thing really is, um, it, it, we're talking, you know, Rocky Mountains right now in, in, in places like that. Um, you can anticipate that there's going to be um, some buildup of, of clouds and, and lightning, uh, you know, from 11 o'clock noon or, or, or noon, certainly. So the earlier you can leave and be coming down before those storms start rolling in, that's the first thing. Try to just avoid it, even if the weather was... Um, forecast was for you know bluebird skies just just things can change and yeah you can get that buildup so try to avoid it in the first place if you start hearing some rumbling and seeing that buildup maybe um maybe you don't sum at that time maybe you turn around think about all the 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 Everest people that that have to turn around you know before they get to the top and they try again another day so just the big thing is try to avoid getting yourself in that position in the in the first place if if things are there um I mean, if it is starting to lightning around, again, if you can get down below tree line and in, in, into the trees, that's going to be the safest place. Um, if you're truly stuck and there's nothing else you can do, try to, you know, not be in the, the highest spot, um, spread out if you're with people and just, just crouch until the, until, and wait out the storm. So when you're coming down, and this was the strategy that we used, and again, let me, let me reiterate what you said. I mean, a lot of people... Um, boaters do this as well. You know, the, we, we used to have a sailboat and the, the most dangerous thing, my husband used to say that the most dangerous thing you could have is a timeline because again, things will change, nature will change. So if you, if you have, if you are so committed to summiting or to finishing that hike or to getting from here to there on your sailboat, you're putting yourself at jeopardy. If the weather comes in, you always have to be willing to change your plan. And on more than one occasion, we ended up tucking back in 
to shore when things, if you got out and the waves were far too choppy that what we wanted or we saw a storm coming in. Um, coming down that mountain, we were sure, so now if you're coming down, if you can be, it's okay to be in the trees, you want to be the lowest that you can, below, you don't want to be the Right, you know, yeah, but you definitely um, out here, above Timberline is a really bad place to be in a, in a lightning storm. So um, get down into the trees, don't, um, don't all congregate under the same tree, um, and then don't congregate under the largest tree either, you know, but you kind of want to spread out in case something does happen, then others can, can help versus um, lightning hits the, the tree everyone's under, then, you know, that could, that could be a problem. So you want to want to spread out and, and yeah, not be under the, the, the tallest tree, you know, things like caves and, um, and overhangs and all those, those actually aren't a safe place in a, in a lightning storm. So you don't want to be in, in something like that. Just, um, Hopefully you're in the trees and you're spread out. Okay, and that you know, in the east also thunderstorms do come in again. This my day was totally clear today, and suddenly a, a squall came in. You know, a lightning storm came in. Um, yeah. The and and in the east you have there's flash floods. I mean, it's not just the lightning; they have to worry about water coming up as well if they're um, near a river or near a, near a um, stream. Yeah, that's definitely true. Out out here as well and in, in the you know in the southwest especially you'll be in a dry creek bed and it might be raining um you know miles away and and you can still get in a flash flood but we, we see them out here when we get these kind of torrential downpours um and you know the the thing that they'll say out here is um is to climb to safety so don't try to um don't try to outrun the flood or uh, outdrive it or whatever just just get to higher ground um, and, and wait it out. And it all happens much faster than you realize. Yeah, and it's pretty, um, you know, it's, it's people describe sounds like a train coming or a, a jet taking off, you know, they'll just hear this incredible roar as the, as the water is coming in. So, you know, so yeah, you wanna, you know, climb and then and things like don't, don't set up your tent in a dry creek bed and you know things like that just and again kind of the know before you go so if you're going to do a big hike through canyon lands you know take a look at that national parks website and, and see what they're advising and um and the things they're cautioning people about all right so let's talk about hiking because again it's not i said this earlier like you think that it's just a walk in the woods but it really is you have to it's not you know city blocks i can walk forever in a city but suddenly when you're hiking you really need to know and understand what your trail is and prepare properly. So how does someone plan and know, even if they, I'll call it, they run five miles a day, how do they, how do they plan or gauge what they're able to be hiking? Yeah, so, um, so that's kind of a big question, but I mean, the first thing is there's, there's tons of websites that you can go and, and look. So if you know you're, say you're gonna be coming out here and staying in Glenwood Springs, then you can kind of go, come to our White River National Forest website and, and look at some of the different hikes and, and get a sense for, distance and difficulty and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then you can also read independent sites by just, just Googling and seeing what other people are saying about, about the hikes. So you'll kind of get a sense there of what, what they found. Um, but I like there's an app called All Trails that I'd like that yeah. to be able to find, and that's national actually. Mm -hmm. and there's yep. a so things like that. There's a free version, a paid version, or you could always go to REI or one of the bookstores and get, get hiking books about the, the hikes in those area where people will re, will give you a background on it. Right. And then you can, when you know where, you, you know, you have a sense of where you're 
going to go. Um, we have people that spend most of the day answering questions about um, about the forest and about the trails and you can find us on Facebook and things like that, you know, too, and just and just ask and make sure you um, you have all the information. Um, you know what what happens sometimes is people they just hop out of their car and they think they're just going to go a little bit down a trail and then they get kind of interested or whatever and they might go a little farther than they think. So, you know, just be just be ready to go be prepared um, out in so many places. You know, you're going to want to make sure you have good, good footwear. So um, often just, you know, leather boots are what the kind of the go to out here, um, you know, and then also making sure that you you have water and rain gear and, and extra um, jacket and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and certainly later about packing, making sure people. OK, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, how it always surprises me how slow I hike. So what's a, like the rule of thumb for how long, you know, even though, you know, here when you're walking the streets, it might be three or four miles an hour. Rule of thumb when hiking. Yeah, I think it really varies on uh, on the on the, the trail you're, you're mm -hmm. on, but um, in how steep it is and how rocky it is. But yeah, plan for a lot more than uh, a lot more time than three miles an hour, you know. Yeah, um, usually it's, I'm going to call it two miles an hour. Yeah, if you're again, if you're going at a, at a good clip, but think about you know, there's the, the rocks in the trail, and you're climbing, and you, you're taking more breaks and that kind of thing. So it it does take more time. Um, well, and the other thing that always fascinates me, going down is work. You think that it's just work uh, going up, but going down actually takes just as much time as going up. Right, so and and, um, and and as I've gotten older, I find that it's actually a lot harder to go down than than up. It's not as I don't get as winded, but um, you know, but but my knees aren't liking the going down as much. Um, and that's where the the trekking poles can really help out. Yeah. You know, I um, I had a friend I used to laugh at that always had these trekking poles, and then one one day he let me try them out, and I was like, okay, I'm convinced. You know, these these really help. Um, they help going up and coming down and just take yeah. some of the, the weight off the legs and, and, and provide some more support. They so really that's do. a, that's um, a, uh, that's a good way to go. Let's talk for a second. So again, just trail safety, things like, um, letting people know where you're going, um, never hiking alone. Like, like again, so what are the, here's a crazy question. What's the, give, give a horror story again, cause people think, ah, oh, that's really not so bad. Tell me, give me a horror story. Like what's a, what's a horrible thing that happened that, you know, or what happens regularly? Like who are you saving on these um, What's going on? Yeah, so, and, and, and so for us, we're usually working with the, you know, the local search and rescue, but it's people that have, um, that have overextended, they've overestimated what they can do often. Mm -hmm. um, and they're often um, by themselves. So you don't wanna, if you can, if you can help it, you don't wanna hike by yourself. You want to have someone with you and then you really want to tell um, someone responsible where you're going and, and when you expect to return so um, they can start checking on you and making some phone calls if you haven't checked back in with them um, but I mean out out here in in Colorado we have all, all kinds of things we've had um, you know mountain bikers that have gotten way back and in, in fallen and gotten hurt um, people you know on difficult hikes that have fallen sometimes not even that difficult of a hike and and, and gotten hurt and um and, and sometimes they have to wait it out till someone finds them you know so um making sure you have people with you and and that you 
tell people where you can go or where where you're going and when you expect to be back i'll, I'll help with that What's and then just remembering that you're you're out there so you're um you're not right in the city where if uh i don't know you you, you twist your ankle someone can can help you right there i mean if you're three miles back or farther i mean it's going to take a while for some for help to get to you so just um it, it just be a little more careful just be having that in the back of your mind like you know um you just just you know thinking about that and being careful well so, and yeah. the other thing is cell service may or may not work back there no matter where you are there you may not be able to get cell, cell service so you can't assume that um one thing that i tell my daughter tends to likes to hike alone um sometimes but she always makes sure but a she always calls and tells us what she what trail she's on she also makes sure that she hikes on trails that are fairly heavily trafficked if you're going to be alone so that you know, yeah that's yeah you know yeah you can you don't want to yeah. get really off um the yeah. other thing is we what's well again we'll talk about gear later but i want to mention this now um carrying a whistle with you because if you get in trouble your voice doesn't carry and just having people can hear a whistle better than they can right. we used to do that when we skied if somebody you know somebody fell down in the woods and you couldn't find them that i made i made my girls wear whistles when they were little right yeah no that's um i i do with my boys as well as, and i carry one and um you know if you're making noise and then that's going to help but the kind of the rule for like i'm in trouble is three in a row and then kind of take a break and then three in a row kind of thing and that um that's a signal that yeah i'm in i'm in trouble but um that that does um carry better than voices and, and the other thing is um I, I guess when we start talking about horror stories the the thing you hear a lot it happens a lot is someone starts to get lost um but it's just human nature to think no i'm you know what i'm not i'm not lost i'm sure it's just just down this hill or that kind of thing and when you when you start to get a little not sure where you are disoriented just stop and um you know, and maybe that break will help you get reoriented. But if not, it's gonna, um, it's it's gonna. Uh, if people are looking for you, it's gonna be a lot easier for them to find you if you've um, just stopped and, and you're not wandering around. Because um, if you're heading the opposite direction from what you think, you can get really far from your original point, and it'll take um, searchers just that lo much longer to find you. The other thing that I've heard horror stories are we, we've all seen these headlines of someone, you know, everybody's all insta, insta focused and they all want to take that cool picture right at the edge of the ledge. Don't do that. <laughs> right. So that, that maybe that's a good example of what I'm saying. Just just think about what you're what you're doing when you're out there a little, you know, and, and have a, a little bit of common sense and, and and think about, gosh, if I do fall down this. How are they going to get to me? You know, I mean, you know, and, and things like that. Uh, well, and the thing about accidents is they're accidents. No one plans right. to have an accident. Everyone says, right. "Oh, I'll be fine." No, people really do slip down these cliffs. Ed is really are softer than you realize. Rock is, you know, can be can be flaky. So right, you really can. Yeah. and then right. and then in a lot of these areas, you know, where um, there's there's not going to be a guardrail or a sign that says don't get too close or whatever you know you just have to um that's just part of the whole experience is knowing um how you know to 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 be safe and to know just yeah that's that's close enough you know and, now how about camping so again people think oh, i'll get a tent i'll put it up it'll be so romantic how lovely what are the mistakes that people are making with camping and what do they need to be doing um 
Well, make sure you get you have you know good gear. That's that's a that's a um, a, a big thing. So the the better your gear is, the more comfortable you're going to be. Um, again, well, it depends on kind of how you're uh, what type of camping you're doing. But say you use you're using a tent. Um, you know, get a tent from a um, outdoor retailer that you know is a good solid um, well-made tent. So um, that, good zippers waterproof you know people right, and sturdy mind. so when right. when when the big uh thunderstorm comes in and the microburst is getting you 50 mile an hour winds it doesn't trash your tent you know and i i have had that happen before you know and um and again well, i think don't realize you know they they want to everything's expensive and they they don't want to want to spend a lot of money on good jackets and good rain gear and good footwear. And we'll talk again, we'll talk about footwear in a bit, but your whole vacation can be ruined with, with yeah. bad, with bad gear. If you, if you right. not warm, especially with, you know, we're talking in the summer now, but you get in the winter and if you don't have good layering, your whole day is shot. You know, you spend a hundred dollars to go skiing and you spend the time in the lodge because you were too cheap to be able to, you know, to, to get proper layering, for your clothes and you're wearing cotton sweatshirts it's just you know a waste a waste right so right and, you know and another big thing we see and this goes back to that no before you go so do some do some research um what we run to out into out here very popular place to visit um people will show up just thinking they'll be able to find a, a camping spot mm -hmm. and um, show up on a friday night thinking it's you know and um and it's it's full and in some of these places there you know you you should have a plan b and a plan c but even then those could be full too so um you know plan ahead a lot of these sites take reservations um otherwise you know plan on on getting somewhere early so you can you can you can find a spot um, now how about fires you were saying that one of the big issues that you have in the forest service is fires and people either lighting illegal fires or not putting the fires out properly. And that I presume is a lot of campers that are doing that who think, oh, isn't this romantic? We'll roast some marshmallows. Sure, yeah. And you know, it, you see that every year, but we're seeing it um, a lot this year for whatever reason, a, a couple of things. So um, you wanna, again, check um, where you're going, check if there's any fire restrictions in place. So out here right now on the White River National Forest, for instance, you can have a campfire if you're in a developed campground and you build it in that metal ring mm -hmm. um, that's designed for fire. But if you're just um, what we call dispersed camping, which means you've pulled off the road and you're you're camping on your own, you and so that would be a rock, uh, you know, firing or you're backpacking and so you're thinking about a rock firing right now. You we're we're in fire restrictions where you can't have um, that kind of campfire because um, just because of the risk. It's it's it's. Um, we have been getting some rain, but just long term, it's it's still dry, and and so the risk from those fires are much higher than something in a developed campground where the site's been hardened and cleared, and you're in that designated metal ring for the so is for the fire. Safe? So is it safe oh, for I'm people sure. to bring a stove? Should they just bring a camping stove rather than assume that they're going to go gather logs and and rocks? Sure. Yeah. So you know, in, in most fire restrictions, the something that's uh, petroleum fueled so a propane stove um, backpacking stove those sorts of sorts of things are okay and you can right now you can find um kind of 
propane fires that, you know, campfires really that you can, that are portable that you can take with you. And those are going to be okay. Cause the, the difference with those is those have a switch so you can turn them off. Right. Um, so yeah, so th those are okay. But again, it's worth, it's, it's out ahead of time what the restrictions are. So for instance, so for instance, charcoal is not okay right now under the fire restrictions. Um, it's, it's not just the fire, it's, it's the embers as well and, and the ashes that'll fall. Right, and, and so if you knock it over, again, you knock over your stove, you can still turn it off. Um, but you, you, you knock over the charcoal, you can't. And then what do you do after you've cooked your, um, your burgers and you're ready to go? People, you know, dump, dump the ashes. And so those sorts of things are, are, are definitely um, a problem. So we've seen a number of um, just illegal campfires. So um, someone not following the fire restrictions, that's one thing. And then the other thing that we've seen a lot of is um, is abandoned campfires. So you gotta go back to Smokey Bear, you know, and, and uh, put out those campfires. But you want, when you leave your campfire, you want it to be cold to the touch. So you've used water, you stirred that water in and you can put your hand on it and you're not feeling heat. And if you can feel heat, um, that means it can, it can get going again. And um, you know, sometimes people really underestimate that, but when we're out uh, with natural fires that have been started by lightning, for instance, we can have a lightning storm move through and it can be three or four days later where we'll get a, a, a fire that heats up from a lightning strike days ago. You know, just the conditions just weren't right. So it's just sitting there waiting, kind of smoldering, and then you get a hot, dry day with some wind and then it gets going. Right. And uh, we call those holdovers. But so the same thing can happen with the, with the campfire that you haven't extinguished. And we have had some fires out here. Luckily, they haven't been huge. But this year, we have had escaped campfires that, you know, we've had to put a number of firefighters on to, to keep it in check. So that's something to just um, keep in mind, too. It, it, it may look like it's, it's out, but make sure it's out. Well, I think to, one of the big things that I want people to, to realize, again, respecting nature, but um, that there's responsibility with being in nature. You know, there's the, the concept of leave no trace. You know, a lot of people used to go into Disney theme parks and there's a whole crowd of people that clean up after you. That's not happening when you go to the forest and we really need to respect that it's, it's home to the animals, that you know, it's, it's all of, and if you're, if you're able to take advantage of it, that you also have to respect it and have a responsibility to care for it while you're- no, yeah, Right, and that's, that's an excellent point. And that's another thing that we've, I mean, we see it every year, but we're seeing it a lot this year, too, where uh, people aren't packing all their trash out. And, uh, so that's just, you know, say pack it in and pack it out, you know, um, for sure. It's a little icky, but you got to deal with it. Right, right. So, all right. So while we're talking about this, if there's no outhouse around, what are the rules that people need to know for those personal moments when you just got to go? Right. So, you know, and again, this is going to depend a little bit on where you are. Uh, some areas, like when you're rafting in a, in a canyon or something like that, there might be some different rules um, than just being out on the forest. Um, if you're camping and you can, there's a lot of different um, self-contained type units you can buy from an outdoor retailer uh, that breaks waste down and you can actually throw it away when you get home you know in a bag that kind of thing is preferable because if you think about some of these sites uh these dispersed sites that aren't part of a developed campground you know there there's people in them every weekend and so you think about if people are going off to the uh 
you know, to the bush behind camp by, um, by August, that's getting to be a, not a, not a very pleasant place. If you don't have something like that, uh, in, so, then, they, should be. so they, they can bring their potty with them. There are porta potties. Yep. 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 And even backpacking. Um, and in some places that, you know, it just depends on where you are. Those are required. So that's something you want to want to be checking out in advance. Um, otherwise, um, you know, the, the other option is, is, digging what we call a cat hole. So that's, you want to be away from water, at least 200 steps. And then, you know, six to eight inches down. Um, and then, and then bury it. And then ideally you're, you're packing out your, uh, your TP. Any paper. And if you yeah. just, peed, if you just got to pee, do you got to be 200 steps away too? Like well, you, you know, the, 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 yeah, I mean the, you know, the, it's, it's better if you're not right by the water, um, when you're out, when you're out hiking, um, just if you think about a place where, uh, you, you know, you're seeing a lot of use, um, you know, that could, that could build up over time. And in other places, when you're, when you're rafting the, you know, the Grand Canyon or something, they may recommend to actually go in the water or whatever. That's just the kind of thing you need to, um, you need to check out in advance. The whole idea is, you know, we're trying to um, leave as little impact as we can. And so it's going to vary a little bit based on where you are. So um, do some and the research trace. in advance. And yeah. Trace. Again, it's a yeah. little disgusting, but bring that paper back out with you. All right. Yeah. Let's talk animals. Sure. That's again, we hear these crazy stories. Or there's something in the news the other day about a woman getting chased by a moose because she thought, oh, this is cute. I'll go take a picture with a moose or I'll go take a picture with that cute little bear. No. What really right. happens to those people? Yeah, I mean, and and it seems to be this growing trend of the selfie with the the uh dangerous wildlife, you know, and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, you really have to respect wildlife out here. You know, I've, I've worked in a lot of different places where there's uh, potentially danger, dangerous wildlife and um, you, you just have to respect it and you have to understand it and, and you know, and you're not likely to have problems. So, um, you know, with, we could start with bears, for instance, well, yeah, out so, here. So you run into a bear, Wait, let's, go, let's go through, you run into a bear, we were hiking one time, this is, this is the funniest thing. We, my husband and I were hiking down and we'd run into a ranger and she said, get your cameras ready. There's a bear down there. There's been a bear sighting. Awesome. So we're coming down. I really don't want care to run into a bear, but nonetheless, we come around this corner and there's a mama bear and two baby bears, probably 50 yards up the path. A cliff going up on one side, a river on the other side. <laughs> and my husband decides to, what does he do? He takes off his backpack to get his camera out. I stood behind so I say that you don't have to outrun the bear you just have to outrun whoever's with you right um, right so we ended up scaring the bear off with the noise as he we made bank some metal together we were trying to shout to get rid of them so what's the bear strategy yeah so um and so we're talking you know black bears here so if you're going to be in a place where there's grizzly bears so you know Yellowstone Glacier Alaska again you know look, look at what the advice is there because everything we talk about with black bears will apply but it, it it gets a little more complicated with the grizzlies. Um, but so with black bears out here, your, your average um, black bear that's in the woods wants nothing to do with you. And um, as soon as it kind of knows what you are, so um, kind of waving your arms and talking to it, um, usually that's enough for them to be like, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll get out of here, you know. Um, and black bears, where, are, they're across the country. They're in the east as well, I believe. They're, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and black bears come in all different colors, you know, but it's all the same species black bear. 
Um, and so if you're in an area where there's grizzly bears, I mean, they, you know, you'll know it in, in right. people, you know, well, you, different world. signs and, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, so, um, but where black bears get really dangerous is when they've gotten food from people and, um, and, and they're no longer afraid of people. So that's a really bad combination. So going back to camping, uh, you want to make sure that you've secured your food uh, when you're not when you're not using it. So uh, even during the day, you know, in a lot of places we have food lockers now where you can lock your, your food up, but keep it in your vehicle, keep it in the food locker. We've, we've had a bear up by Aspen that comes into the campground right at lunch. You know, everyone's out hiking and, and is away from the campground. And so it's coming in the middle of the day, just looking for food. Once they figure out that um, camp campsites and people are a source of food, they're gonna check it out every time they see it because that's kind of how a bear makes its living, right? It's it's out about half the year and then it's gonna hibernate uh, during much of the year. So it needs to get as many calories as it can. So it's- so are, there, the on the, are there Twitter on the, feeds gonna, go, running around? So rule of thumb, if you see the bear while you're on a trail, for the most part, make noise and it should stay away. If they've got baby bears with them, then they're a little bit more protective. So you work even harder to stay away. Um, are there Twitter feeds around or anything that says like there's been a bear or mountain lion or whatever in an area so that they know that a bear has been more aggressive? Like if I'm going to go camping someplace, is there anybody that's po like Facebook groups in different places where there um, people? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure that there might be. So if we're in an area where, where we've had, uh, you know, if we have a problem at it, and we're talking just the fact that a bear's shown up, not, you know, what we're going to... No, no, but that they're, they're harassing. Like, yeah, 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 I mean, we're going to... the woods, that's fine. But I mean that if there are bears that now have been trained that I can go have lunch over at the Maroon Bells, then that's a problem. Right, and we work closely with the, the state, so Parks and Wildlife. If we're having a problem bear, we'll work with them, and, and they may catch it and remove it. But we'll we'll post things, you know at a campground if, if there's been bear sightings and just reminding people even more to to be careful uh with with their food and then you know if you're backpacking uh there's a lot of different options you can you can get but you can get what's called a bear resistant food container so and you want to store that away from your tent and away from where you cook and you want to cook away from your tent as well um just so you're not attracting bears to your tent you know but they a bear resistant food container they can smell the food but they can't they just they just can't get mm -hmm. to it so they give up yeah and okay. so that sort of over time that teaches them that like yeah this isn't worth my time to check this out are there any other big animals that people have to worry about yeah well you mentioned moose so that that's one um you know you think about moose they're not like a, a deer that that you know runs away right away uh at danger a moose it, it survives by kind of being big and, and a little bit mean you know, um, and, and they'll, yes. yeah, and they'll um, think about one of their big uh, enemies in nature, one of the big predators are wolves, and, um, and to uh, a moose, a dog and a wolf are the same thing, mm -hmm. and so a lot of the incidents where moose have hurt people, it's been a loose dog, someone that's walking their dog off leash, um, the moose gets upset about maybe it's defending its young or whatever, but it's ready to go, you know, stomp that wolf mm -hmm. into the mud and it, the dog comes running back to you and you got this worked up moose and then, and then people have gotten hurt that way. So, um, keeping your distance, uh, everybody loves moose. Um, but you don't have to be right next to them to take a picture 
for sure. And then keeping your dogs uh, restrained, you know, on, on a leash. And, and if you have your dog with you and, and you're seeing the moose, I would just, just keep moving, you know, and uh, because they really, they, dogs really concern them. So keep your distance and keep your dogs leashed. Now, the funny thing is I think moose don't have very good eyesight. So they tell you to hide behind a bush. Well, so, so uh, well, well, one thing we'll, we'll talk about real fast with uh, going back to, to bears. So a big rule with bears is just don't run away from a bear because it can catch you. And you think about what does bear food do? I mean, it runs from a bear, right? I mean, if it's an animal. Right. And same with mountain lions, right? I mean, so you never want to run from, from an animal like that because that can trigger the, you're, you're acting like prey, basically. Right. And that trigger, you think about running from your dog, it chases you, you know? Right. So a moose run if it's coming at you you know and its ears are back and it's it, it's mad then you can you can run and then yeah get it get something between you and the moose and um i think they have uh, you know I, I i think it's um you, you you're just trying to protect yourself but um they'll you know i think they see fine and hear fine and in everything but uh just you, you're you're trying to remove yourself from whatever they're concerned about, you know, and, and, and getting something between you and them to protect yourself. So people have climbed trees and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, again, it, it's like all this stuff, the more you can avoid that problem in the first place, you know, so keep your dog leashed and don't get too close to them. And, um, you know, and people see moose every day and are fine. It's just those situations where people get too close and, Particularly concerning is a is a um, is a cow with a calf. She's going to be very protective of it. And then in the especially in the autumn, the the males can be somewhat territorial too. So just you know, they're really big and um, and give them some space. I laughed. I think we were hiking someplace, and there was a sign where I got this from about hiding behind a bush was from a sign out in Colorado, and it said to go behind a bush. I'm thinking this this giant animal suddenly I'm behind a little bush and it won't. It won't be able to, you know, it'll smell me still, won't it? But right. that's, that's what that's what some sign was saying. Yeah, I yeah. Know. So just, yeah. Um, but, you know, mainly you're sort of like I'm, you're getting out of the way and you're, you're not being a threat to them. Yeah, okay. You know, that's, yeah. So how about smaller animals? Skunks, foxes, raccoons. I was walking my dog recently and there was a raccoon during the day. I got pretty freaked out. Um, because raccoons are, shouldn't be seeing them during the day, but someone said no, you know, when it's cafe, when it's baby season, that they might be out foraging for food. So besides stay away from all animals, what else do people know, need to know about? Yeah, you, you wanna, um, so yeah, definitely keep your distance and, and don't be feeding, uh, you know, animals like, uh, like that, because that, again, they start losing their fear of, of people and, and you can get bites and things like that. But really- and that, Can I just say, none of them, not even the cute little ducks and not even the cute little marmots and chipmunks, like don't feed any of them, right? Right, yeah, not for not a lot of reasons. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, and often we're not feeding them things that are healthy for them, but just- yeah, Doritos is we, not part of chipmunk food. Right, right. And, um, you know, but so, so one concern with, the smaller animals, but any mammals really, but the smaller animals is um, is rabies. And so if you see an animal that's acting weird, mm -hmm. um, that usually means, you know, maybe something's not quite right. So a lot of these, something's out during the day, it's not afraid, you know, that's a really good 
indication that's like, yeah, I'm going to keep my distance from that. Um, so do you just walk speedily away from them? What do you do if they're if they're not being normal? Do you just yeah, I would. You know, again, I would keep, you don't want to run, but yeah, right. I mean, I would just keep keep my distance from them. Well, they respond to noise. I mean, it 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 just depends on the on the situation a little bit, but yeah, you can you can make noise, make sure that you're there, uh, or that they know you're there. Um, Are small animals intimidated by people because we're bigger? They, yeah, I mean they can be. Again, a, a problem if you have one that's that's not being intimidated or, or just acting weird. Or, or another example is a bat. Say, a bat doesn't want to be on the ground. So if um, if you're seeing a bat on the ground, it's probably got something wrong with it, right? And so you don't want to pick it up. But that's how a number of people have run into problems: is they, they pick up the bat, you know? Um, what? <laughs> right. But that's a that. That really shows, like, okay, there's that's an that's an animal that's not acting the way it should be. A, a bat shouldn't be out during the day on the ground. So something's not something's not right there. So keep your distance. And then, you know, the other thing you can get with um, with rodents, or you you know, the fleas can carry can carry plague. So you don't want to. Sounds like common sense, but you don't want to um, be messing with dead rodents and that kind of thing. But also, your um, another reason to keep your pets least you know because you don't know what they're going to bring back to you um uh, in, in um, you know it's the fleas that, that that carry that and then you know rabbits have um several different things that you can you can pick up from wild rabbits uh, and, and again so you wouldn't want to act, rabbits acting weird you wouldn't want to go pick it up to see if you could help it or again a dead rabbit you don't want to you don't want to mess with it sounds like common sense but um it's we see that every year you know someone someone contracting something by um or potentially by uh you know by handling by handling it and so just yeah just leave it alone you can you know you can um if something's really concerning you can call the your local wildlife officer you can report something to the department of health that are tracking those sorts of things you know but mm -hmm. yeah just be kind of careful around those and, and, and use some common sense if it's acting weird um you know keep your distance so should you have like pepper spray with you? Can you use that as a last gasp self-defense if you've got some, if you've come upon a coyote or a, or a you know, rabid fox or something that's acting weird? Yeah, I mean, so the pepper spray is more for, for bears. So if, if you're in a situation where, uh, you know, that's probably gonna be where it's um, most effective. And if you have something like that, I would just make sure that you've, maybe buy two cans of it and, and use the first one and practice a little bit because it's like anything. If you've never used it, you don't want the first time you use it to be when you're having a problem, you know? So that stuff is kind of powdery. If you shoot it in the wind, it can come back in your face and, you know, it's things like that that's, that you're aware of. I think the main thing is is um, just using your head in, in, in common sense okay. um, around, around it. Yeah, so you know, out here on the White River National Forest, we don't really have snakes that are of um, venomous snakes or that are really of concern. But in a lot of parts of America, we do. And I worked in uh, in, in Arizona for a long time, and lots of snakes down there. Um, I had a friend in California, just their local park. They had signs up about rattlesnakes. Literally, this was outside LA. Yeah, right. So uh, 
you know, and so the main thing with them is to, um, you know, you never want to step or put your hand where you can't see, um, see what's there. Cause when they strike, it's going to be, it's going to be defensive because they're thinking you're, you're out to hurt them, you know? So that's a pretty good rule where, um, wear closed toed, you know, wear boots or, you know, shoes anyway, because some people that have, have got bit in the toe or different things when they step right by a snake. So you can protect your, um, feet that way. And, 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 and really the, and this goes back to the common sense thing, but the biggest thing is to leave them alone. The number of, um, in Arizona, the majority of bites would be, um, males between like 14 and 40. And they often would be in the hand and in the arm, you know, and they would always have some story about how that happened, but they it grabbed it, you know, and, um, so Our just leave it alone. Don't try to catch it. Don't try to kill it. Just leave it alone. And you're going to avoid most of your problems that way. Watch, we'll watch where you're stepping, watch where you're putting your hands. If you see one, keep your distance, take some pictures and leave it alone. <laughs> keep your distance with a take, take pictures with a photo lens. Right, um, right. All right. Let's talk some water sports. Kayaking, paddleboarding, fishing, because a lot of people have, you know, paddleboarding is very popular. People have taken up fishing. Um, what are things to be aware with that? One thing I'm thinking of is footwear. Like, don't use flip flops. <laughs> Always have something secure on your foot. Yeah, like for when you're, if you're um, fishing in a river, then, you know, waders, something like that. Um, you want to, if you're using chest waders, you want to make sure you have a belt so that if you did fall, that those waders don't fill up with water. Um, and, and respect the current. It's, it's pretty impressive how just knee deep river it can be, um, can be hard to negotiate with slippery rocks. So, so be careful. Um, you know, I think a lot of the accidents that might happen with fishing or, uh, revolve around boats. So, um, you, you know, do some research on, on, on boat safety, watch the weather. Um, uh, if you're on a, on a lake, you know, be, be heading in before those, those winds and storms come in. Um, if you're caught out there, get, get to shore as quickly as you can, even if it's the opposite shore until the storm goes, you know, and of course, uh, you know, life jackets are required that you have, uh, it varies on where you are, but say in Colorado, you have to have a life jacket for everybody uh, that's on the boat. Uh, well, and I would say people, people over 12 don't have to have them on. If you're under if 12 or under, you have to have them on, but I always have them on because if you, have an accident you may not if you're, you've swamped your canoe or whatever you know you may not have time to grab your life jacket as soon as you want so i just keep it on you yeah. know um i think I that's a safe with thing. power boats there was a horrible accident years ago there were some members i think of the new york mets that were at a party on a lake and they crashed the boat and some of them died they ran into the dock because you can drive a car doesn't mean you can drive a boat and that there's a lot of maneuvering and the, the power of the, as you said, the current or a little bit of chop that you don't realize how that can, can shift a boat, can, can make a boat lurch. So if there's a person around that you end up, you know, don't go close to a boat, so, you know, you're wading out into the water and the boat lurches, that you really need to take your time and take some lessons on how right. to take the boat. Or how yeah, to that's what I was going to recommend for a lot of this stuff. You know, there's, there's, just about wherever you are, there's outfitters that'll, um, you can either rent from them and they'll, they'll show you or they'll even take you out. So in for rafting out here, that's, that's a big thing. There's a ton of commercial rafter raft outfitters, you know, to go with, go with,
go with something like that. And then uh, when we're talking motorboats, which is a whole whole different thing, kind of the same rules apply as driving, though, as you mentioned. So um, so alcohol can be a big mm-hmm. factor too, and those sorts of things. So um, you don't want, you you know you can't drive a boat under the influence either. So you just need to be you know cognizant of of that as well. So. One big thing you mentioned kayaking and current um, around here in the east, where there are these big bays, but they're tidal that people need to also keep in mind coming back. Like it doesn't feel right. so bad, depending on how the current is, if you, you know, might've been easy going out, but you have to come back. It's kind of like hiking downhill isn't so easy. Coming back when you're kayaking or paddleboarding may or may not be so easy either. So you have to, you know, check, check your energy for, for the way back. Oh yeah, no, that's, yeah, really good point. Know what the tides are doing. So again, know before you, before you head out there and, um, in, in out here, you know, on the river stretches, make sure you you know what uh, what class rapid you you have, and you know, are you prepared for that? And yeah, so again, it, it, you know, it, it it seems really common sense, but sometimes it's, it's so hard. I mean, to we're always so busy, and then just trying to get all your stuff together. Sometimes it's hard to um, take a few minutes to do a little bit of research, you know. But but really taking the time to know before you head out somewhere, know before you go is, is really important. That's that's the whole point of this because again, people think, oh, I'm just going to nature, it'll be easy. No, you really are things you have to, to know about. Let's talk now about kind of what goes into that gear and then how important the gear is. Um, you talked a little bit uh, with hiking about always take a raincoat because you never know when the weather's gonna change or take assorted layers, I'll call it a raincoat, a windbreaker, another sweatshirt, a fleece, something so that you've got your layers or a lighter layer. Um, water, critical? Right, and of course that's gonna depend, um, you know, the more water you have really the the better, but a couple quarts out here is pretty normal. If you're in Arizona, you're gonna want, you know, in the, when it's warmer, uh, you know, you're gonna need more than that. And even, even you know, a, a sports drink for every three, you know, quarts of water and when it's really hot, that kind of thing. But yeah, so, Plan ahead. You're gonna um, you're gonna need more water than you think, and you're gonna be glad you have it. So you want to take that, and then yeah, dress in layers, um, and then have extra layers. And I always think about where I'm going, and I'm like, what's the worst? How cold? You know, what's the worst weather that it can be? And then I take one more thing that I think I'm going to need, yep. and I often end up using that. <laughs> and so, you know, and out here in Colorado, you know, July, I still I have a hat. A, a, a warm hat and gloves in my backpack just you get especially get up above timberline and you know you're going to really wish you you had something like that so not only that um, the rainstorm comes in the temperature can drop 10 or 15 degrees and when you're wet if you're wet then suddenly you get chilled in a different way so you really do need to to keep yourself warm right you keep yourself warm and then dr- and then dry is a big thing so have rain gear with you always um and then you can and it's not that heavy, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Right, but you'll be glad you have it. And then that helps with, if you're getting a cold wind too, that can just, that rain gear can can help with that. Um, you know, I always, I'm sorry? Let's talk footwear. Sure, so, um, you, you know, I think you're gonna be happier, uh, you know, the better footwear that you have. So um, a leather boot is, is great, or at least a lightweight hiking boot that goes above the ankles. Um, out here, you, you know, it's, it's, Rocky, uh, I have a 14 year old and I keep 
he just wants to wear his tennis shoes everywhere and, and trying to show him on these rocky trails how better protected his foot is in a, in a good boot, you know, and then just how much better traction you have and that kind of thing. And your feet are um, getting tired. You know, you think that your sneakers are comfortable, but when you're hiking, they it just somehow having that solid sole of the, of the boot keeps your foot more rested than the sneaker. It's really fascinating. Yeah. And, and you just have a lot more support. Um, and so that, that really helps. And then I like to, um, you know, you kind of find your own preference. I like to use a, a really thin sock liner that you can buy at an outdoor store. Um, and then, a then a hiking sock on top of that. And that really helps with uh, prevent blisters and, that kind of thing you want to uh if you if you get a new pair of boots even if it's not a, a super heavy pair of boots you go ahead and wear them around the house for a while we'll go wear them to the grocery store just get them broken in before you go on a big big hike because uh that'll about mile and a half in you'll be wishing you'd, you'd done that and certainly by the end of the day well uh, it always amazes me on some on some of the hikes i've been on again especially the popular ones people not only are they in tennis sneakers they might be in cute little fashion sneakers or in flip-flops, or I was hiking the other day. This was, we were hiking in a ski area, but so there was a place where you could take the, the chair up and then hike down, but they were coming down this really steep, uh, we, we got up it and it was super steep and I'm watching a woman come down and she's got Merrill slides on and she was going to be in big trouble when she got to some of those steep parts. You need to yeah. have, you know, they might be fine for walking around wherever, you know, shopping and going to lunch but proper shoes that tie on your foot and attach to your foot. And as you said, the water sports, you know, no flip-flops, like proper water shoes so that you've got a grip. Right, yeah, because that, that'll make a big difference in, in stability and in traction and just protecting your feet. And you know, in, uh, in, in the Southwest, in, in places I'd always say, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why uh, you wanna not be in a pair of sandals. I mean, you got cactus and, thorn bushes and all kinds of other stuff that can that can get you snakes and you know and everything and just you just really want to protect your foot even though it's it's warm and you can it's comfortable to wear that you know just just be really thinking if you have problems with your feet in your in your back a few miles it's pretty miserable getting back it's really bad and you mentioned blisters you know i always make sure that we have band-aids and some moleskin just in case multiple pairs yep. of socks yeah, right. Um, oh, I, I like, no, yeah, right. You know, the hiking socks that you can get in an outdoor store. Yeah, I always have an extra pair in my backpack just in case I end up, you know, getting getting wet or something like that. That can that can help. And then if you're backpacking, you do want to be changing your socks every day. That yep. can that can help with um, with all that. But yeah, you want to go ahead and put some moleskin on as you're starting to feel a hot spot. Don't wait for it to get really bad. And then sometimes you just know, like, Back of my heel, I'm probably going to get a blister. So, you know, do a little um, preparation ahead of time and get the moleskin on it before you before you start hiking, you know. But. Now, how about any, everybody likes their technology. They like their toys. Um, so any tech, we talked a little bit about low tech, like make sure you bring a whistle with you, hiking guides, look at all trail and all trails, um, any other kinds of um, toys. There's, I know we have a, uh, a satellite little GPS thing so that if you're if you're backcountry where you know you're going someplace where people may not yourself or again you can't assume cell service is going to be working so that right. you can bounce off a satellite and let people know where you are 
Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's all kinds of things like that that are great. You know, it's still one thing we didn't talk about is, you know, having just a good old fashioned paper map Mm -hmm. and kind of knowing how to read it and and where you are on it is going to be that's pretty foolproof because all this technology is great. And there's like the satellite trackers for when you're way back there, you can you can signal if you're having trouble or you can check in every night, you know, but but all that, as we all know, that technology can fail. Uh, having a GP, I love having a, a GPS with a map on it, and I can that that'll work in the backcountry, and I can map my route, and I know how many miles I've gone, and my kids love seeing all that, you know. But um, your batteries can die. I was with someone once that um, he was never looking up; he was always looking at his GPS, and he dropped it oh. on a rock, and it broke, and he really didn't know which way the car was. Wow. You know, because he had never looked at that's kind of an extreme case, but all that technology can fail. So you want to make sure you you have backups. And even some of those, um, I think those are great if you're doing something that's a little more, uh, you, you know, remote and out there to have have that kind of satellite stuff. But if you're supposed to be checking in every night, you know, a number of times, it'll just be some technological reason why someone didn't send the signal. But then what is the person that yeah. that's waiting for the signal do? Like, okay, I haven't heard from them. So are they okay or not? You know, and, and, and so it's all that stuff's that's great. And uh, the electronic maps and all that, those are, those are awesome. A lot of them you can have them on your computer at home and then print them off. So you have the paper copy. Um, I mean, that's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really been great. All the, the different technology we have and, you know, you can go to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife webpage and they have some great maps there at CPW. And he said also just ch- let people know, anyone that you left home, let them know where you're going. And this is, again, if you're fishing, kayaking, whatever it is, there's a, um, a bracelet for, again, people that like to go out on their own. We use this for, for cycling. My husband uses this all the time. Um, and I have bracelets called Road ID. And it's just a little, you get a, a little metal, it's like a little ID, and then a sports band or a rubber band kind of bracelet. And it puts your name, a phone number, contact number, you can put whatever yeah. you want on it. It's super cheap. But... If God forbid something happens, it could be fishing, it could be kayaking, paddleboarding, whatever it is, um, or you get, you know, you get kind of lost or disoriented, and somebody finds you. This hat will have, and for some reason, if you're unconscious, this will have all the information and contact information with you, so that people can contact you. And that's Road right. ID. If you Google it, RoadID.com, it's super easy. Right, and even for when you're just like you'd say your husband for biking or, or running, a lot of times you know you don't take your wallet with you when you do that, so. Um, if you do get hurt and can't tell them who you are, that they'll at least know who you, yeah. who you are. You yeah, know? it's really good for runners. For I know I have a cousin that uses it when he rides his motorcycle because mm-hmm. you know, crazy stuff happens. Yeah, right. Um, right. One last question and then I'll let you go. And, and again, if anybody has any questions about their, their planning their trips, put a, post them up there before I let Dave go. Um, anything people need to know, we talked, you talked a little bit about dogs and watching out for wildlife. Um, are dogs allowed everywhere? Do people need to, again, check a website before they bring a dog places? Yeah, definitely check it out. So, you know, national forest, in most national forests, there's not going to be a problem if you're out west on BLM land, you know, it's going to be fine. So there's there's more restrictions in uh, national parks. Uh, in, in, so um, if you're planning on going to national parks, for sure, check that out if you're going to be bringing your dog. But especially in really popular areas, there may be some some particular rules 
that you want to, you know, again, know before you go. But, you know, probably the biggest thing in, in most areas is uh, I have a dog. My dog loves to run around, not be on a leash, you know. But when you're in the – there's just so many things for the for your protection, for the dog's protection, for wildlife's protection. Just, you know, keep them on a leash. And in some of these places, the national parks, I think, in particular, you need passes. So you can't just drive in that be prepared that there is a cost to be able to get in. And are the, are the parks limiting um, admittance to it? I know state parks, a lot of them are. Here are state parks that down at the beaches, they're limiting it like crazy. Yeah, I think you need to just, again, really, really do the research ahead of time. Because, yeah, some definitely are. have They have plans, you know, the, the, this year, given concerns with social distancing and thing. We have some, a couple areas out here on the White River National Forest that are really popular. Maroon Bells and Hanging Lake, and both those need reservations in advance because we are limiting, these are places that would just be jam-packed, um, you know, without that. And so, especially this year, um, in order to allow people to visit them safely, you know, we need to reduce the numbers. So yeah, just really check that out. And then a lot of times, yeah, you do need, you do need passes for um, particularly national parks, but some areas on the forest, some areas on BLM. Um, do the research. A lot of times you can buy a, a, you know, an annual pass that'll cover all that in America, the beautiful pass, yep. you know. And so, it's, great to support. Yeah. it's not that expensive to buy a national park pass and it's great to support it. And it's great to have, have this beautiful, you know, resources right. for, us, yeah. for us. And it, then it's, right. then it's super, and when you have it, it's super convenient because um, you can go ahead and you don't have to worry about the fees, you know, because you have the, you already have the annual pass. So. Yeah. It's true. All right, Dave Boyd, thank you so very much. Everybody out there, have fun. It's so great that you're taking advantage of nature and all that it has to offer. Just be sure that you plan ahead. Be sure that you're safe. It seems easy. It seems accessible, but a little bit of planning can go a very long way in making sure that you have a great fun time with no major emergencies to go with it. Um, all right, don't forget, share these videos. Let people know that we're doing these Facebook Lives. Check out um, our YouTube channel. Uh, let people know how people jo you know follow us on Facebook so that they can see these and we'll promote them and all stay safe and have a great day. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Thank you. Take care. I'm talking to David Boyd of the National Forest Service about safety tips that everyone should know before they venture into nature. It seems easy to go hiking, but if you're unprepared for weather changes, animal visits, or simply trail conditions, a fun day can turn into a total nightmare. Dave Boyd is an example of the types of top experts featured in our newsletter, Bottom Line Personal, where we provide expert advice to guide readers into action and educated decisions in their own lives. In addition to information about family travel and unique outdoor activities, Bottom Line Personal is filled with actionable advice on all aspects of your life, including living a healthy life, home and garden maintenance, finding the best insurance, retirement planning, smart tax strategies, and even the latest gadgets for your home or office. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the greatest tips from our experts of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. <laughs>